0: Hello and welcome to another edition of Parkour Ed. My name is Colin Daly, and we are here on the last Friday before Christmas vacation in 2017. There will be several guests today, but my first guest today is Olivier Massy, who was born between a chocolate factory and the divine vineyard of Hermitage in the Drome department. Olivier taught his first class in 1993 as a French teacher, and since, he's been teaching cinema and drama, too. He worked in Kuwait, Lyon, Hanoi, and Singapore, and this is the third time he's been back to Singapore, so it's a pleasure to have him here again after five years in Lyon, setting up projects for arts and culture and the Academy. Welcome, Olivier. How are you today?
1: Hello. Well, I'm fine. I'm fine to be here again, so so happy to be in singapore
0: it's a great place to be and we have a yeah. wonderful day today yeah. s- we are here to talk about our parkour how did we get here you know parkour is that sport of jumping off buildings and sometimes we feel like we have to jump off buildings to uh, get our work done what brought you to teaching you started teaching what did you say in 1993
1: Well, in fact, I don't know exactly. I have no answer because I wanted to be a journalist, in fact. But I had teachers at the university. I was in Grenoble at that time. And he said to me, why are you here if you want to be a journalist one day? Uh, I say, because this is the curriculum. It's... It's written in the curriculum. And he said to me, no, you have to leave the curriculum. You have to be in the street just to, uh, to write articles and to send it to, to newspaper. If you don't do this, you don't have any, uh, any contacts without contacts, no journalism.
0: Really? This was your journalism teacher who told
1: you this? Yeah. Really? Well, one of the teachers in the, in the curriculum. So I said, I OK, well, uh, it's not a job for me because I was not enough, uh, you know, um, uh, open to people. I was a bit shy at that time. So I so, said, oh, I don't know what to say. So I was in a curriculum. I said, OK, I, I, will, t- I will learn until the end of the curriculum. And I'll see what, what will happen. Right. And it was uh, uh, modern French literature. So I became a teacher. So you <laughs> became
0: a teacher. Yeah. Wonderful. Yeah. Well, and we're lucky you did. Um, did you hold on to some of the things you you learned about in journalism, or you know, felt about? Obviously, you have opinions about journalism in general.
1: Well, and just I just. It, it was something a bit a, a bit special because we we didn 't know how to to become a journalism. we just analyzed what is journalism in fact so right. actually when i when i when I read newspaper or if I watch tv or or, or, or news on tv well it's i can i can have I can analyze what 's happened but well i 'm not a specialist I prefer I, somebody else I understand to do it.
0: i understand and and education itself is quite a a topic in the news all of the time now, Mm -hmm. Um, national news, whether it be in France, the USA, England, Singapore, there's so much to report on Mm. in education. Uh, I'd like to shift gears a little bit and talk about uh, the history of Singapore. Since you've been here, uh, this is your third posting yeah. to Singapore. You've been here, the first time was?
1: In 2001.
0: 2001. Uh, and, you know, the 50 years of Singapore is coming up. So yeah. I've got something that I've taken off LFS's own website you know LFS has a new website yeah it's got a lot of information mm-hmm. and it's also bilingual luckily for me so I'm gonna I'm gonna play something that uh, I've taken right off the website here you go have a listen
2: the history of the laissez-françadee Singapore from Bukit Tinki to Ang Kio, a small overseas French school managed by an association of parents started operation in Singapore in 1967 in 1980 French companies invested 3 million Singapore dollars, necessary to finance the creation of a major French school. The first executive committee was elected at the opening of the new school in Bukit Tinggi in September 1984. In 1993, it became clear that the Bukit Tinggi school could not meet the needs of the community, so a new project was launched. In May 1999, a new school with a capacity of 1,000 students opened its doors in Ang Kio bringing together kindergarten, primary and secondary schools on one same site of 2.4 hectares. In September 2015, the Lycée expanded with an adjacent campus that houses the primary school and the administrative building. Today, the Lycée France AD Singapore has around 2,800 students and more than 380 staff, and confirms its international mindset.
0: And there you have it, right from the mouth of the website, Madame Robovoice. <laughs> Basically, since 1967, there's been a French school here. So we're celebrating our 50th year, and that's pretty big. Mm. Have any thoughts on that?
1: I'm one of the, 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 the person who is involved, committed in the, in the committee for the, the celebration of the 50, 50 years old.
0: That's, that's interesting how do you get to be one of those committee members is that did they come to you and say Olivier you have experience with this we need you or is it something that you were
1: passionate about curious about or? well Monsieur Soulard came to me and said to me we want you in the committee because i was just came back i was just yeah i just came back in singapore in september you have to be in the in the committee because uh, you come from france and you have experience of uh, that kind of things we want you i mean but i I like you're uh, you're you're known
0: you're a known entity you've done training around the region you you've done this type of leadership yeah yeah so so it's hard to it's hard to avoid and i'm sure at the end of the day. It's it's more interesting to be involved than sit on the sidelines, right?
1: Yeah, of course, of course. But uh, you know, it, it first I'm here f- to teach for, to the kids. So I was yes, definitely uh, uh, when I was in France. In fact, I was not. Uh, I stopped teaching for the last five years. So, it it, it, it for me it was a kind of challenge to, to come back because uh, when you stop teaching you don't forget uh, you don't forget yeah for, forget everything. But uh, it's like you're, if you're cycling. You know, uh, when you start cycling again after after uh, a break, yeah, uh, you you won't you won't uh, you won't do the Mont Galibier. You know, it's uh, I, see, yeah, I it's, a, a, it's uh, a good analogy. You have to get used to, to all these things, and it's, you have to get back. Fact, in,
0: get back into the groove. You yeah. have to get back into yeah. the groove. Yeah, uh,
1: I, I didn't want to be the, uh, the in, in, committed in this in this in this committee, but. Well, in fact, it's okay. I have, uh, it's, it's very pleasant, in fact. So I, I like it. And how, how big is the committee? Many people. So we are 20, and we're just trying to, to get the, uh, the, the best and for having a, a very beautiful celebration on the 23rd of March. It's going to be exciting.
0: Mm. I've seen some of the things that are proposed, and there's going to be some web radio uh, happening on that yeah. day, too. one
1: so day, yeah. The, old, the whole day. Yeah. The
0: whole day, and some videos, yeah. all kinds of activities open up to the, the public and to the families yeah. and yes. teachers.
1: And and the, the, the Friday, the 23rd of March, that will be only for students, teachers, and administration, and and some VIP will, 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 ca- will come. But on the saturday morning it will be open to all, the whole family and oh, the same thing uh, will be running quite the same thing because there will be a, a, with all the students will will do a 50 on the on the pitch so i think it will be a great moment because, because 2 2800 coming to on the pitch and making a 50 i think it will be amazing
0: all right I well hope. i
1: look forward to it
0: and mm. I assume everything will be available on the school website www.lfs.edu.sg, mm-hmm. so people should check that out. Well, the good news is we've been joined by another colleague, Stephanie Garino has just arrived. Hello, Stephanie. How are Hello. you? Hello, I'm okay. You? I'm great, and I'm really happy that you joined us here early on a Friday morning. Stephanie's uh, a colleague of mine in the English department, secondary English, mm-hmm. and she's been teaching here at the LFS for, for five years. For five years yeah. now. Uh Stephanie is originally from the mountainous region of France. <laughs>
3: yeah, near Geneva. Near Geneva. Geneva, that's great. Yeah. That's great.
0: I know Stephanie pretty well. We work closely together. Stephanie you haven't always been a teacher. In fact, if memory serves me correctly, you recently passed your CAPES, your, your, your big test. You've been teaching long before you passed the CAPES, but I mean, that's a big deal. Congratulations, yeah. first of all. Well,
3: thank you for that. Yes. I so, did,
0: uh, yeah. I so,
3: passed the, the CAPES last, um, last year from here um, using the Ducnet remote yeah. um, teaching, and that was quite an experience, but I'm glad that it turned out well.
0: Olivier, do you remember passing the CAPES back in what is it? 91. It was ni- 92.
1: 1992. Yeah, it, it's a challenge, and I have a, I have a bad souvenir of the uh, oral exams, especially because I was not uh, practicing Latin or Greek, Greek, and I have to um, to uh, to pass the exam in English. The two people in front of me were, were laughing. I think oh, no. I, I I have a. An awful, uh, an awful accent. I, I did mistakes uh, every sentence because at that time I, I haven't been uh, abroad, so I was not able to speak and really And English. they
0: were laughing at your.
1: Uh, I think, I think they were laughing at me. You know, they was nudging, <laughs> looking at me, and say, "Wow!" and laughing. So, uh, thirty minutes in, oh, in this atmosphere was a bit challenging <laughs> to just to finish it and say. When I, I, I passed the door, I said to me, "Wow." i think it's over i I won't i won't i won't succeed because this guy Think that I'm, I am—I don't know—I'm a city boy. Oh,
0: that's, that's and it was terrible. okay.
1: Uh, two weeks after what it was it okay. Turned so out
0: fine. Turned out fine. Yeah. So Stephanie, do you have any memories of your oral? Because you obviously had to go back to France to yeah. pass the oral section, and I'm sure your English was not a, po- a problem at all. We all know that your English is fine. And
3: yeah, yeah. Uh, no, it was very stres- stressful actually. Yeah. Um, yeah, you get these two hours to um, to prepare for a whole unit, which is uh, obviously not enough, and then um, and then you get into a room and then you start talking um and then you have to explain yourself as if you were in front of a classroom but then in fact you have these three members of the jury um listening to you but um they they were really nice and 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 smiley and encouraging because the the thing i dreaded the most was that i would have uh, members of jury that would, um, I don't know, be mean and would try to destabilize me. Um, but that's not the way it went. Well, that's good. So uh, even though I was not, I mean, that was not too, I mean, you, you can never be happy with what you do in, in such a short time. But I mean, it, was, uh, it turned out well.
0: It did. Well, I tell you, we're glad that you came through on the other side and you're back with us. And we have a new, a new uh, guest with us today, Robert Castiles. Robert, how are you? Thanks for coming this morning. I'm fine, thank you. Now, Robert is from Belgium. Correct. Originally. And his first language, which I didn't know for the first year and a half that I, n- I knew him, is Flemish. He's Flemish. It's That's Flemish. my mother tongue. His mother tongue. Obviously, his English is fine. His French is fine. Uh, but uh, so we were, sp- I was always speaking French mm-hmm. to uh, Robert when I met him. And he was always very polite and replying in French, but in the back of his head saying, why is this American speaking French? I mean, we, we could be speaking English. And no, no, no. Finally, not I figured it out. Um, Robert, welcome. And thanks for being here today. Robert is a music teacher. Now, Robert, what levels do you teach here at LFS?
4: This year, I teach uh, year Fives and year four. Okay. Then, So yes.
0: this podcast, the purpose of this podcast are to bring people together in the same room to talk English together about our parcours. What brought us here? Why are we teaching at LFS? Why are we teaching period? And these are questions I've already asked Olivier, but I'd like to know from both you two, and maybe uh, Olivia can help chime in with some other questions. What brought you to teaching, first of all, Robert, as a musician,
4: an accomplished musician, as, as a matter of fact? OK. I. Uh, it took me a long time to teach. I mean, for years, years I've only been a practicing musician. And I always thought, I don't know enough to teach. Um, and as a student, I always was v- uh, violently suspicious of teachers who were only teachers, and uh, highly respected teachers who also had a foot in the industry. Yeah, I understand. So it's mutually un- enriching. I really mean this. It's not some politically correct answer. What I do outside uh, benefits from my teaching, and vice versa.
0: Now you co- you come from the music industry yes. if you want to call it that yes where you are you play several instruments but you're also um, a chef d'orchestre you, yes. you are a conductor, a, conductor, a conductor conductor yes and uh, what are you working on any projects currently it's uh, the
4: christmas season i wonder if uh, you're having any christmas shows no 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 i i'm tired of christmas <laughs> concerts so and this year i'm not giving anywhere I conduct
0: oh, I'm sure uh, some of our kindergarten teachers at LFS are jealous of you having given lots of Christmas <laughs> concerts themselves
4: <laughs> but but when you teach when you conduct uh, there is also a teaching part in the conducting even with professionals uh, is, is the same the same relation of, of power with the with the classroom in that um, I'm in front of the group I have to get this group to work to achieve something uh, i have 1 hour 1 hour a week and so it's it's very simple at the end of this hour they must have learned something yeah the, it, they must have changed every a bit somewhere from the moment they entered so i'm very result driven
0: and every every lesson counts Everything every counts.
4: lesson counts because it's only one one lesson a week yeah. now so it's very much a group psychology I mean, I look at the weather, No, honestly, I look at the weather, I I, I, I sense how they enter, and then I decide already at this to change the sequence of the class. Ah,
0: uh-huh, that, that's adapting, adapting to their needs, that's what we And do then
4: also is. if it's a f- Monday morning or a Friday afternoon. Uh, uh, bec- <laughs> the dreaded Friday afternoon, yes. Because... Because if it starts wrongly within one hour, then it takes a long time to rectify and then... Good point. So good point. this is whether I do uh, uh, the critical listening component or the singing or the playing. If I, basically, if I see they are hyperactive... I immediately go into rhythm and percussion and do the listening first. Oh, okay. Sounds good. Now, what? what you, you said you came to teaching uh, late.
0: It took you a while yeah. due to your suspicion of teaching. So how did you, how did you start teaching? Was it private lessons? Was it? Did you jump right into a school? Did you have any specific teacher training that gave you contact? Oh, yes.
4: In the conservatory, I, I did pedagogy, the whole right, course, right. In, in French and in Dutch. OK. And then later in Singapore, in English for the Ministry of Education here. Ah, the MOE. Um, the M-O-E. They know oh. how to get the most out of their employees, don't sure. they? Sure. <laughs> and then um, <coughs> and I first actually first taught in the conservatory to students who were barely younger than me. Oh, I see. So th- this comes to a very important point Uh, to me why it's rewarding to work with uh, young people so every year so to speak they get younger they do they do because I'm getting less young (laughs) and so it's very interesting to watch uh, by by virtue of of life somewhere they are right the way they think—that's what the way the young people think. F- full stop. So I observe this is like another species in in the human zoo, <laughs> and so there are there are reactions and way of thinking that I recognize because they they don't know that we also have been students and nothing new under the sun. Yes. But there are a number of things that are new under the sun: the way they deal with social media and and, and uh, learn on online, Good and point. so. Ultimately, fundamentally, for me, is a way to to resist death, the ineluctability of death. Oh, it's getting it's philosophical it's now! To, is to be in <laughs> touch with with young people.
0: Yeah, we are very privileged in that in that uh, respect. And then sometimes respect, yeah. they
4: d- they do ask me a question, and then I say. I don't know. I'll think about it. I'll tell you next week. <laughs> I honestly don't know the answer.
0: Well, this is, this is the reason I wanted to get educators around a table talking about their experiences because, as we've learned today already before you two arrived, Olivier did some journalism school before he went into education. I know, Stephanie, that you worked in the professional world mm-hmm. before becoming a teacher. You've been here for five years as a teacher at LFS, but what did you do before that?
3: Um, so pretty much I studied languages at university and then got a bachelor degrees in Spanish and and English. And then um, I had to do that six month internship uh, back then. And then, I don't know, somehow I discovered the world of shipping. Shipping? Yeah, which I loved. Yeah. And so I decided then to is that,
0: is that logistics is that yeah logistics, th- and, logistics and, and okay. transport,
3: but mostly the transport side of it. Okay. Um, and so I decided to go to a business school, and then I I did one. I mean, it was a DESS at the time um, in in shipping. And then after I graduated, I left to um, to the U.S. and I spent three years in uh, in San Francisco, so working working for. Um, a freight forwarder. Okay. And then eventually we uh, we came back to came back to Europe and well you know got married, um, started building a life and I expect that when my children were born, I mean this they have obviously changed who I uh, who I was and so after ten years in the shipping industry. Um, then I decided to change career path. So I—that's a—that's a brave move.
0: To, yeah, to, yeah, you know, it was. After ten years, and you build up your your network, and you build up your your way of life, and then all of a sudden, the big shift. Yeah. How did that go?
3: Uh, it went fine, um, actually. So I looked at my options, and then I thought that I would give it a try to um, to teaching, and then I don't know, I went to my old uh, high school met with the principal there and then he gave me a chance pretty much and then this is when I started teaching and um, so class management and discipline at first was obviously not that easy but as the weeks went I felt that this was for me and so um, and so I continued and then I found out that we were going to move here and then I was lucky enough to get a job here.
0: How, how much of your business practice uh, working in the industry were you able to bring to the school, bring into the classroom?
3: I would say the use of... Uh, technology yes. I mean as you know um, and, uh, and I know you're the same oh yeah you know I did statistics for uh, for many years so yeah Excel has almost no secret for me <laughs> and then um, yeah I'm keen on, on technology and I find that maybe mostly with um, older kids um, for example this year I have première and I don't know I think of my old career I had them this week earlier for example carry out a survey which I think is something very practical and definitely something that I did during my studies and as I was working in the industry so um, I guess that 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 relates to what i um teach or the way i teach these days
0: robert has had to leave us because he has to teach which (laughs) is a side effect of being a teacher but he may be back with us later on today this next segment is something that uh, i've come to enjoy in in the parkour ed podcast what songs have touched us so i'm going to start off with the song that's playing right now over the <laughs> loudspeaker. It is our bell called Lolo Bosa. Uh, this is written by Loris Marcel. Uh, you probably can't hear much of it in the background, but uh, now that the bell has stopped ringing, I'm going to move on to my next song, which uh, for me means a lot. It came from a movie with Sydney Portier called To Sir With Love. Have a listen. How do you thank someone who has taken you from crayons to perfume? It's not easy, but I'll try. This, this song means a lot to me because this movie was about a teacher who worked in a really rough neighborhood, and he was not appreciated by his students in the first few days, but they came to love him after a year of his tutelage. Maybe a fantasy for some of us, but I always kind of thought it would be nice to <laughs> have that experience. Uh, Now, on to you guys. What songs have meant something to you in education or teaching or just in your life as a student or your life in general?
3: Yeah, I picked um, Another Brick in the Wall uh, by Pink Floyd, Um, Well, because first of all, it's about education. Yeah. And and as we all know, education has changed a lot, thank God. Education is no longer about being tough or strict or being a nobody as long as you fit in a mold. Education now is about kindness and benevolence and about being a student, an individual that we all care for. And um, Yeah, we
0: all grew up listening to this song, you know, with that anthem. We don't need no <laughs> education. Everybody knows the song. It's it's a great,
1: one. but we've been all educated. We have all
0: been <laughs> educated. So uh, 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 and I hear you've heard you heard them in concert. Is this true? Uh, yeah, so uh, back in
3: 1994, when, when you were
0: four years old.
3: Uh, Oh, yeah, (laughs) right. (laughs) No, it was actually a couple of weeks before I sat the back. um, And this was when the the album Division Bell came Mm. out. And I got lucky enough um, to be able to uh, go to their concert, Pink Floyd.
0: Oh, I think in, there are a few uh, jealous listeners uh, out there. Would have loved to have been yeah.
3: there. Yeah, and it was absolutely, it was absolutely fantastic. So that also reminds me of that experience. Um, yeah, when I was myself a student. So that's why I picked the song.
0: Well, it's time for us to say goodbye to Olivier Massy. Mm.
1: Goodbye, and thank you for.
0: Thank you for coming. It was it was a pleasure talking to you, and I look forward to having you again on the show. Uh, we're going to let Olivier. Get back to his real job of teaching, <laughs> and yes. we're going to have uh, Stephanie continue on with us. All right, have a great day, Olivier. Bye, mm-hmm. bye, too, thanks. bye
3: Olivier.
5: And what is
2: <laughs> it, Mr. Curtis? What is it?
5: Like 8 en français.
0: L.S.Qui.Queres?
5: Il est 8 Il
0: est 8 Il est 8h Il est
3: 8h
5: Il est 8 <laughs>
0: I just played that little clip of a French teacher uh, teaching someone how to say, "il <laughs> est and I couldn't help but laugh because that is what I used to sound like when I taught French back in the USA. It's not always easy to speak a foreign language in front of a crowd or into a microphone that will make a podcast. So I do appreciate it when my French colleagues come in and speak, but I'm in a unique position to be here with a, 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 an English language teacher who's also uh, studied Spanish and is a good communicator no matter what language she's speaking in. I wanted to talk a little bit about language. What do you think about Singapore English?
3: It's, how to put it, surprising. It it is different. Um, And when we first got here, I have to admit that, you know, sometimes it was not so easy to to understand. I actually found out last year when we did that um, EPI project with Quatrième that I myself did not know much about um, Singlish. And so uh, I found myself uh, with the students trying to understand where the roots of singlish were and then you know what it meant to what it meant to them and uh, ever since i um, i have a different perspective yes it's different but i do believe that it's part of the singaporean uh, culture singlish is their language indeed
0: it is it's a market language it's a language that was built out of a crossroads of several cultures coming mm. in i think it's exciting actually
3: it, uh, it is it is
5: over the years singlish has Kerna a lot of bad press from the government, from the schools, from a lot of sectors, you know, who believes in English. We don't get the sense of what the broader use of singlish is, other than you know, you just buy food for the Kopitiam or the Hawker Center or trying to find the jamban after that when you have food poisoning. (laughs) It feels too kampong the use of singlish. It seems to be at odds um, with um, or Singaporean pursuit of excellence, pursuit of economic progress in the international world. So is Singlish the enemy of English? Is it the enemy of business English? But you see, in this stigmatization, what we all fail to notice is that Singlish may well not be a creature of the old. What if it's the creature of the new?
0: That's food for thought. What if Singlish is the creature of the new? Our job is teaching kids how to speak English. Mm -hmm. Are we going to, how's our job going to evolve? What do you think about Singlish being the creature of the new? And what did he mean by that?
3: Um, I I I believe in that. Singlish as as we said before being a mixture of English and other uh, languages uh, which were spoken by Singaporeans uh, ancestors so in that sense I believe it's the the language of the new, indeed. And then, what is teaching languages? To me, um, you teach language languages uh, for students to be able to to communicate. Yes. And even though we have we all have different backgrounds, we speak different English. I mean, the Singaporeans they have no uh, problem in communicating among themselves and with the rest of the world. That's right. So at the end of the day, they get to speak their Singlish, but they they speak it. That that's what I mean. We we probably were taught when we were much younger to write more than to uh, to speak and as we know well, you know um, speaking languages back in France for example it's not an easy it's, thing to it, do it's for most people so it's
0: something that a lot of parents uh, that I've interacted with have commented on how language teaching in France isn't at the level that it should be mm-hmm. um, and maybe is is that due to a focus a focus on what's easier to what's easier to control in a classroom it's much easier to have students uh 35 students in a classroom all writing of on course. a piece of paper that the teacher will take home and correct later it's much easier to do that than to have smaller groups with a bunch of pair groups talking at the same time John. with a noise level <laughs> that would drive your average person crazy but we're above average are we not us language teachers
3: yeah, yeah, <laughs> we definitely
0: are. So now you you went through the French educational system and you learned British English mm-hmm. and you lived in San Francisco for three years. Yes. So so how's your English? Is your English British? Is it American <laughs> or is it Americanish or um, uh, Britican? How would you classify your <laughs> vocabulary? Do you adapt to your audience? Um,
3: uh, I try, but I think. Um, vocabulary wise it's more uh, american more american okay. yeah um i would go sidewalks rather than you know pavement pa- pavement i see that that type of thing and then because i lived in the in the us for three years it's really where i got to practice and use my english on a, on a daily basis
0: well stephanie you uh, like I are a lover of words probably because mm-hmm. you know your language teacher and you see the connections between uh, different words and different languages and there's a There's a word that gets bandied about that people use all the time here in Singapore
4: And that is expat For from your
2: favorite word <laughs> This is not a word I like. An expat is simply a person like, who lives and I can tell you, it
3: has been so great
2: so far. Living life My as body. an expat can give us great opportunities and can be one of the best experiences of a lifetime.
0: In this interview with expats in Mexico. <laughs> This is a word that a lot of people bandy around. I would say a lot of white people bandy around to describe how they live in other countries. It is a term of privilege. It's the ultimate in privilege. Your typical expat is what? Somebody who's going for business. Maybe they work for an international corporation. And what they won't do is assimilate into the local culture. Being an expat, it seems to me, is getting a pass on assimilation. And that is expat. Well, that is a uh, pretty serious talk. I think that might shock some of our listeners to hear uh, such negativity attached to the word expat. But that comes from a podcast called The World in Words, which, which focuses on linguistics and vocabulary across cultures. Um, highly recommend it to anyone who's curious to know more. But the word expat, when I first arrived in a French school, had so many different meanings. You know, there are different kinds of contracts. There are resident contracts, there are local contracts, and there are expat contracts the expat contract whether you're in a business or in a school you know is the one with uh, the shipping covering covering your moving fees it's giving you a an installation bonus Uh, it's providing the car your school fees are covered and it's something that hey who wouldn't want that right Uh, I think uh, the the word expat originally came from the British you know the colonialism and and an expat was a British colonist who wasn't expected to adapt to the local cultures because it was just too difficult Uh, and and then that continued with global colonization and and uh, now that that time is is coming to an end now You know, we get identified as expats. I'm sure this has happened to you because we are obviously... Not Asian, but are are we expats?
3: To me, expat is an an economical situation. We were sent here uh, with an expat package. Okay, that covered everything you said before, and that's indeed as they were saying in the podcast. Um, it's it's a great opportunity. Yet living here, I don't like being called expat myself. Right. Yes, I'm. Yet, I'm, I mean, yes, I'm not Singaporean. I'm, I'm Caucasian, and I think there's a different. Between being Caucasian and being an expert, and that that should not be put on the same uh, that should not be put on the same level. When it comes to assimilation, I have to admit that it's not a the. Thing to achieve especially here in in singapore when we first got here we moved into that cluster house where we were the only uh caucasian family and then and we did that on purpose because we wanted to meet locals pretty much but then soon enough uh, i found out that we were very culturally different and that it would not be so easy to uh, to assimilate you know i try to uh, i mean i go to food courts. i eat asian food which which i love so assimilation maybe not however trying to blend in being respectful for the locals cultures and and habits yes this is something that i try to do on a daily on a daily basis
0: we will have to leave it there for now thank you stephanie guerino and thank you as well robert castiles and olivier massy for coming in and speaking with us here at parkour ed the educational podcast at the lycée francais de singapore where teachers come and talk about what brought them to teaching and what brought them to singapore tune in next time for more with stephanie and robert and a whole cast of others my name is colin daly